Paul had a, had a zeal. He had a desire to, to win the people in the churches that he witnessed to. He had a zeal to win family. He had a zeal to win friends. He had a zeal to impact the, life, the lives that his life touched. But how will it be accomplished? And no doubt we live, your life touches lives that my life can never touch. In your workplace, where, where you go, in your family, how can we change their lives? We must be willing to give. And not give sparingly, not give conveniently. Paul said, we were willing to impart our own souls. We must be willing to give our lives. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Of course, this book of Philippians is written from prison. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Paul said, I rejoice. I, I understand that my ministry for you, my life touching you, it will, it will cost me my life. I understand to make a difference it will never be convenient. To make a difference, I will have to give my life. I'll have to give everything, but I'm happy to because I understand that giving is better. Go back to our text here, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we'll just turn to many verses this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 38, verse 35. I don't know if, if these words are read in your Bible. They're read in my Bible. Verse 35 in the second part of the verse. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. He says, I want you to remember the words of Jesus Christ. Remember how Jesus spoke. Remember Jesus taught his disciples it's more blessed to give the, the, the joy in life, the, the thrill of life, the difference of life is what you give. Disciples, remember, be a giver. Remember in your home. Remember in your church. Remember in your workplace. Remember, be a giver. But if you study the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you study that, you actually won't find this phrase there. The phrase that Paul attributes to Jesus Christ is not found in the scripture. It's not found in any of those books, which means that it must have been a motto of Christ. Paul must have heard it from the disciples. Paul, the disciples must have often said, remember the words, remember what Jesus said, remember what Jesus said, because Jesus Christ is our supreme example in giving. We all know the verse, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Could you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor, yet that ye through his poverty might be rich. When you look at the life of Jesus Christ, nothing of Jesus' life, nothing of his ministry can be explained by what he received. No, the life of Jesus was devoted to giving. Jesus eats with publicans. Jesus walks with sinners. Jesus heals the sick. He ministers to the poor. Jesus lived a life that is giving. The Bible says, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We can see the perfect example of giving. The great example of giving is Jesus Christ. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we understand that I didn't love God. I wasn't seeking for God, but God was seeking for me. And he loved me, and he gave. And by the way, that is why we insist that salvation is a free gift. It is not of works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, not of works, not of works that we have done. Well, let's just turn there. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And God gives to every person the free gift of salvation. It cannot be earned. No person must pay. No person can pay. God says it is a completely free gift. God is the one who gives. And by the way, that is why we we claim the permanence of salvation. Someone once said, if you could lose salvation, you would. If you could lose your salvation, you would. But the great theme of the gospel, the great message of the gospel is that it's 100% free. It's not, I don't have to work to receive it. I don't have to work to keep it. God loved me and he gave me the free gift of salvation. It would be so sad to speak on giving this morning and for someone this person, someone in the room this morning, never to have received the greatest gift, the greatest gift of salvation. Have you been saved? Can you take me to the place where you came to the end of yourself and you said, I'm not partially good. I can't partially earn my way to heaven. I am a sinner and I need salvation. Have you received the gift of salvation by faith? The great example of giving is Jesus Christ. But the message this morning is, act, is not that we ought to give. The message this morning is something that has just so challenged my heart. The message this morning is that giving is not an obligation. Giving is an opportunity. 
Study the lives of powerful men, and I will show you men who fought, who conquered, who took, who achieved great things for themselves. But show me the lives of great men, and I will show you men who gave their lives for something that was a cause that was greater than themselves. We will never give as we ought until we understand that giving is truly better. But how do we all, how have we all experienced it when we look back on the experiences of our lives and we look back on the seasons of our lives? I look back on, on the different things that God has given me to do. My greatest joys have been when I gave. My greatest joys have not been even specifically the gifts that I received, but my greatest joys in looking back have been the things that God allowed me to give. So let, let us understand, firstly, three simple points. Notice the heart of the giver. The heart of the giver. We are blessed to be a blessing. The great blessing of God is not what he gives us, but rather what he gives through us. The blessed of, but the blessedness of giving does not imply the blessedness of receiving. Let me read you uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 12. Paul said this, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul did not live purposefully as a pauper. That's not what I'm saying this morning. Paul accepted gifts. He, 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 he enjoyed life. Um, the, the answer to, to uh, this, to giving, is not asceticism. The Bible never says that money is wrong, but rather that the money, the love of money is wrong. Listen to what the Pharisees said of Jesus and of John. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and ye say he hath the devil. The Son of Man is come eating and drinking, and ye say, behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend, and a publican's of sinners. No, the Bible never says that we cannot enjoy the good gifts that God gives us. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul to enjoy good in his labor. This also, that I, is, this also I saw that it was from the hand of God. We ought not feel guilt for what God has given to us, but gratitude. We as Christians persuaded that giving is better is not to say that we cannot enjoy what God has given us. We cannot enjoy the blessings that God has given to us. I, 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 enjoy, I enjoyed my breakfast this morning. I, I enjoy my comfortable bed. I enjoy uh, my mountain bike. Okay, I, I enjoy the things. I'm not saying that, you know, the, the, the answer is not to, to go and live in a monastery. That's not giving. Enjoy the things that God has given you, but don't waste it. Don't waste it on yourself. Because we must come to the point. We must come to the point where we understand that everything in our lives God has given us. Can you turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 16? 1 Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 16. First Corinthians chapter four says, for he who maketh thee to differ from another. And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? 
Now if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou didst not receive it? First Corinthians, First Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 29, verse 16. O Lord, our God, all this store have we prepared to build thee in house for thy holy name cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. David, of course, if, you, if you've studied scripture, David, he wants to build a temple for the Lord. God says, David, no, you can't because you're a man of war. No, David, but I'm going to allow your son Solomon to do it. So David, ever anxious to, to, to live for God, to please God, to give to God, he says, well, if I can't build a temple, well, I'm at least going to amass a fortune for my son to build a temple. I love his zeal. I love his passion. But as he dedicates, he's, he works, he saves, he, he, he's industrious, he's committed, he's, he has done this, he has put this aside, but David recognizes. He says, even though we've prepared this for you, David says, it cometh of thine hand and is all thine own. Before we are ever going to be a giver that we ought to be, we must understand that everything that we have, everything that we have has been given to us. And we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. God has been so good to me. And we must understand that God has given it to me because he loves me. But God's great desire for me is not those things, but rather God's great desire for me, the greater blessing than God's blessing, is not that I would receive the blessing, but that I would understand that He has allowed me to be a channel of blessing, and He's allowed you to be a channel of blessing, because the great joy of your life is not in what you have. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus told his disciples concerning the sign gifts of healing that were temporary, freely ye have received, freely give. We must understand that we are blessed to be a blessing. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Genesis 12, we know as the Abrahamic covenant. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. Where God makes a covenant with Israel that he is their chosen people and he, they are his chosen people. And he's going to work through them to bring the Messiah. But in that covenant, let me read it for you. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says, And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thy name and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. What was Abraham's great blessing? Well, yes, it was to be a vessel that God used to bring forth the Messiah. Yes, it was to be the apple of God's eye. Yes, it was. Receive the blessings. But the greater blessing, the complete blessing, the final blessing was then to be transformed from a receiver of blessing to a channel of blessing. You see, through giving, when we understand that God has given to us, when we understand that God has given to us and what we have is not our own, it's been freely given to us, and when we understand the purpose of God, that he longs to make us a channel of blessing, we are transformed from being mere recipients of blessing 
to being channels of blessing. You see, the greatest, the greatest thrill of life, the greatest joy of life, the greatest fulfillment of life is not in the things that God gives to us, but the things that God enables us to give. What has God given you? He's given you life. He's given you opportunity. He's given you family. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Notice, well, let's just turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four says, verse three says, blessed be God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Paul went through trials. Paul went through difficulties. Paul went through challenges. And when he was in the middle of the challenge, he asked God, God, why would you give this to me? Lord, why would you put me through this trial? If you love me, why would you put, why would you put me through this? But he came to understand that some trials, which perhaps we didn't merit through, which were not the judgment of God, some things God may give to us for no other reason so that we would be able to comfort others. Have you, have you discovered that? Have you been through that? Have you had a friend who's gone through a trial, but you've gone through the same trial, and so that you have this special opportunity to say, you know what, I've, I've been there. I discovered a few things, but you know what, I know it hurts, and I, I understand, and I understand your pain. What if some of the trials in our lives were not for us to receive, but they were for us to give? God has given to us. And let us understand, what is it that Paul gave in our text? He gave his heart, but he gave the gospel. Paul said, uh, look, in Acts chapter, look in, in Acts chapter 20 again. Acts chapter 20. And verse 21. Verse 20 and 21. Acts chapter 20, verse 20 and 21. And how I count back nothing that was profitable unto you, and have showed you, and have taught you from house publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul gave of his life, he gave of his means, he gave of everything, but he gave the gospel. And can I tell you, if we're going to be a giver, how could we give everything but the gospel? How could we, of what value of it, of what worth is it, of what permanence it is if we give only to make this life, but we do not care for the eternal destiny of their souls. Paul had the wisdom to look at people and see that their great need was the gospel. And so Paul stands and he's looking at the Ephesian elders, the Ephesian pastors. He says, guys, I want you to know that ministry is going to cost you something. 
Making a difference is going to cost you something. Living for Christ is going to cost you something. And we live in a culture that is seeking convenient Christianity. But if I'm going to live for God, if God is going to use me, if I'm going to be a channel of blessing, it will cost me something. But don't be discouraged because I've discovered, as Jesus taught, as all have ever discovered, that the great reason for life, the great purpose of life, is not in what I've received, rather it is what I've given. The heart of the giver recognizes I am blessed to be a blessing. I can give because I've been given too. And God's great blessing in my life is becoming, is becoming that channel of blessing, not just a recipient. Notice secondly, the lesson of the giver. Those who would give must give freely. No repayment wanted. I have a brother, uh, Lord willing, I'll see him next week. Uh, we'll get to be w- uh, together for our birthday, which will be kind of special because I'm a, I don't know, some of you may know I'm a triplet. And um, we have this, we, me and my brother have a, have a fun sort of game that we play that you probably play too. Um, when we go out to eat, I try to pay for it. And um, of course he tries to fight me and he tries to pay for it. We, we all do that, right? With family, with people that we love. But we have this sort of unspoken rule that, you know, if I pay for it, I'm, I, kinda, I kinda try to pay for it the second time, but sometimes I just kinda let him pay for it the next time. And imagine if I paid for it and he let me get it again and again and again and again, I'd, I'd be Caleb. <laughs> Your turn. And, you know, we, we give often with the expectation of return. We give bec- so that we will be, we'll get it back. We give uh, um, for, for some sort of favor, some sort of feeling. But can I tell you, giving is so much more than manipulation. The world says, give a little to get a little. The, the world looks at giving as a strategy Um, giving is not about earning favor. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 14, please. The Bible says we are to give to those who can never repay us. Then said he, Luke chapter 14, verse 12, Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. But when thou makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. The great reward in giving is not what men give back to us. The great reward of giving is what God gives back to us. And the Bible says, makes a very, very, very clear principle. I I love it. That if we ever give and receive anything in response, then there's no reward. 
There's no reward. God doesn't bless that kind of giving because it's not giving. But if we give to those who can never repay, and we give with the heart that we don't want repayment ever from them, if we give freely, God says, I'm going to shower them with blessing. I'm going to bless them. Luke chapter 6, verse 33. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. We, we, everybody gives to their friends. Everybody gives to those they love. But Jesus said, and if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also do the same. For sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But rather, giving is better because it unlocks the door to God's blessing. Turn to Luke, Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse number 10. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse number 10. Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that thou puttest thy hand to. For the poor shall never cease out of the land, therefore I command thee, saying, Thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brother, to thy poor, and to thy needy in the land. God said, you're supposed to give to those who can never help you. Give to those who can never repay. Give to those who, of, of whom you know you'll never see it again. Give because God wants to bless you. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over shall men give into your bosom. For with, it, what me, for with that same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and he and that which he hath will he pay him again. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give when you can have no opportunity, when you can see no benefit to yourself. Give freely. Because that is the very nature of giving. And when we give, God unleashes the blessing on us. I've, I've discovered it for myself. Have you discovered when you give freely how, how God gives back? And I was thinking, why is it that God gives back? I, I think we might at first think that when God gives back, it's the reward for giving. Give so, so you can have more. But that is missing it completely. Why would God give to those who have given? God gives to those who have given freely when there is no benefit because he knows that when he gives them more, they'll give more. And he knows that when they give, he gives them more. If we give to get, if we give with an attachment, if we give so we have, will be noticed by those around us, if we give publicly 
for, for notoriety. We have our reward. There is no reward from God. But when we give humbly, when we give generously, when we give freely, we discover God's blessing on giving. Notice, secondly, the lesson of the giver. We must give sacrificially. Luke chapter 12. Could you turn, please, to Luke chapter 12, verse 41? And Jesus sat over against the treasury. Luke chapter 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto him, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they that have cast into the treasury. For they all have cast in their, of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. You see, giving merely out of convenience fails to secure God's great blessing because it fails to engage the heart. And if we would give, if we would know the joy of giving, if we would give as Jesus gave, we must come to the point where token offerings, offerings that cost me nothing, mean nothing. We must understand that in giving, God is not seeking what we have. Rather, in giving, God is seeking our heart. Consider the love of Christ. Consider the giving of Christ. The Bible says, but God demonstrated his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said, for the love of Christ constraineth me. What is it the giving? What is the giving that God blesses? What is the giving that God rewards? It is giving freely and it is giving sacrificially. Because so often I'm tempted to give when I have a lot. When I have extra, I give the extra. But God says, no, I want you to give of your living. And I believe, I, I, I know I'm speaking to many generous people this morning. I appreciate you so much your generosity. Generosity is wonderful. It's, 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 it's how we're supposed to be. But this morning, I'm speaking of more than generosity. I'm speaking of the giving of God. That God wants us to replicate. And if we would give as Christ gives, we must give freely. Give because we've been given to. Give because giving is better. Give because God sees and God rewards. And give sacrificially. Have you given sacrificially? I've, I, I won't go into detail, but I've discovered, I've discovered exactly that when I make decisions to give sacrificially, be it of my time, be it of my finances, be it whatever, I've discovered that when I give sacrificially, God always blesses. Specifically, I, 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 um, I'll just, when I was so convicted this last missions conference, because I've always given to missions, but can I tell you, I've always given something that was convenient to me. 
And the Lord just spoke to my heart. He said, Lord, Andrew, I want you to give something that costs you something. I want you to give something that costs you. And I kind of wrestled with the Lord. And I'm, I'm, my main context this morning is not financial giving, though it is a part. I kind of wrestled with the Lord. And I said, Lord, I have a girlfriend now. And, uh, you know. <laughs> but I said, okay, I'll do it. I want, I want to see you bless. And it has just been amazing to me that um, I, I can't, I, it's God, God has met every need. And even more than I, what I give now has just come in. God's, I, I can't explain it to you, but it's been really cool. And that's, that's been a blessing. If you want to know the joy of giving, you see, we all understand in our heads this morning that giving is better. We see it. We understand it. But if, I believe if you want to know from your heart that giving is truly better, well, then you're going to have to learn to give as Christ gave, meaning you give freely, no benefit foreseen, and then you give sacrificially. Because notice last with me, what is the fruit of the giver? The fruit of the giver is changed lives. Look at verse 36, Acts chapter 20, verse 36. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell upon Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him unto the ship. Paul lived a life of giving. Look at verse 31, verse 30. Paul is, is, is giving his farewell, and he's, he's warning them of men who will draw away disciples after them. For I know that after my departing, many shall grievous wolves enter in among you, and not sparing the flock. Verse 30, and also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after him. Therefore, and re- watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn you, every, everyone night and day with tears, and now, brethren, I commend you to the grace of God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my wants and unto my necessities to them that are with me. I have showed you all things. Well, what does giving look like? It's giving of time. It's giving of heart. It's giving of thought. It's giving of resources. Paul says in verse 20 of Acts 20, And I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house. It's, It's giving of counsel it's giving of rebuke it's giving of your heart it's giving your life the bible says uh the the kisses of an enemy are deceitful but the wounds of a friend how precious are they what do i give paul gave his heart paul gave his life what is the reward of a giver it is that you get to have an impact you get to have an impact on your lives you know how, parents, how, how will your children be impacted? Of course, I'm not a parent, but I know how I've been impacted by my father is that when I saw my dad go beyond the obligation, 
I saw, I saw my mother go beyond what was required. She gave, and it touched my heart. It changed my heart. I have mentors. I have just a handful of mentors, but people who have taken interest in my life, and I could never figure out why. You see, when we give, it's powerful. When we give, we show the love of Christ. And I believe when we give, we show Christ because the world knows nothing of free giving. The world has an ulterior motive. The world, men are selfish. I'm naturally selfish. Why would we give? It's because we understand that we're not really giving. We're giving as a channel. We're becoming a channel of God's blessing. Do you want to change the lives of those around you? Well, then you need to come to your workplace as a giver. You need to come home as a giver. You need to come to church as a giver. You can have an impact. God wants to, to use your life. He wants to use it to make an impact. And, and we're not looking for this um, supernatural, fuzzy, weird thing. No, God says, I want to use you as a giver to make an impact. What is the fruit of the giver? It's changed lives. They're crying on his shoulder. They don't want him to go. Their lives have been changed. They're saved now because Paul gave his heart and he gave his life. He made a difference. And then secondly, inexplicable joy. Notice uh, Acts chapter 20. Sorry. Acts chapter 20 and verse 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the, the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I'm willing to give my life so that I can finish my life with joy. And Paul understood there's something about giving that brings joy. There's something about being a giver that, that brings happiness. Paul says it is more blessed. What does blessed mean? It means the happiness. Oh, the happiness. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And I would challenge you to do a word search of the Bible on joy. And you'll find that it almost always accompanies extreme giving. Very, very, very fascinating. But I believe, why, why, is it that joy, why is it that joy is associated with giving? Is it because that God gives joy? Or is it because that we're fulfilling the purpose for which God made us? God made us to be givers. I believe it is both. God gives an incredible joy when we learn to be givers. We are made to be givers. And the great accomplishment of my life is when I discover the opportunity that God puts before me to not take and take, but to give. In conclusion this morning, most will only learn the beautiful lesson of Christ-like giving in hindsight. They'll think that life was about what they could get, what they could achieve, what they could keep but they missed the greatest blessing of all. You see, 
Giving is not loss, it is gain. What is true loss is opportunity because you can never get that back again. Can I ask this morning, have you discovered the joy of giving? It's really a general principle. It's a principle that, uh, that involves friendships. It involves your home. It involves how you work. It involves all relationships. But are you concerned with giving? Are you concerned with encouraging, being a giver? Or have you taken the default position of my heart and your heart and all of our hearts of being a taker? And Paul exhorts the pastors in ministry, and he exhorts us all, learn that the greatest joy and accomplishment of my life and of our lives is the joy of giving. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you showed us what it was like, what love and true giving is like. Because... Our salvation cost you everything. You gave your life. And you gave it freely. For the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross, despising the shame. And Father, I pray we would be Christ-like givers. Father, I pray if there's one who's never humbly received the gift of salvation, by faith, I pray you touch their hearts this morning. Thank you. Pastor Dan. I had no idea what Andrew was going to preach this morning. Uh, just when I put slideshow together, I realized he was going to preach it. But I can see the Lord's hand in this. And Andrew is not preaching from a position of one who does not do this. He is a deeply giving person. I know, because I know what his salary is. Um, and uh, I have an idea of what he's doing, and he's preaching from someone who knows the blessing of having nothing and still being very generous with what it is that he, he, has, he does have. And so I pray that we'll take a moment and we'll consider this morning uh, Andrew's last, last message to us, which is very, very strongly 